Welcome to the Education TESOL Podcast. Yeah, yourself I'm, not first. I'm not in charge of nothing. <laughs> Shows you how far we're gonna get. How you doing, everybody? My name is Scott Chanel. I'm here with uh, Scott Duarte. Howdy. And uh, this is the pilot uh, episode of the Education uh, Tesla podcast. So uh, bear with us. We're trying to get uh, all the technical stuff taken care of and figure out what in the hell we're doing. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I guess we're going to start with uh, introductions first. So, sir, if you would, who are you? Where did you come from? What do you got? What are you going to do? <laughs> Greetings all. Uh, my name is Scott Duarte. I've been in ESL and EFL for 10 years now. I started out in Korea for about four years. Uh, got my master's from Teachers College, Columbia University. Uh, thank you very much. And then I've been doing uh, university work, bouncing around the globe. I've taught at universities in Indonesia, in Morocco, in Korea, and now in Japan at Kansai Gaidai University. I've also taught middle school, high school, both in the U.S. and abroad, um, as well as junior institute work. So I have a wide range of uh, experience in my ESL, EFL, TESOL background. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, let's see a little bit about me. Um, I got my uh, undergraduate degree. Mine's a little, a little different. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree from Michigan State University in uh, uh, zoology, animal behavior, which is, uh, for those of you who are wondering, what? <laughs> Uh, that's where the majority of the educational theory is based out of. So anything you, anytime you hear the word Skinner, that's where he started. So, and a lot of our students are so animalistic. So <laughs> it works. That's a nice thing about animal behavior. It spreads over pretty much anything. You can use it in the bar. You can use it in the classroom. Anyhow, uh, after graduating from university, uh, I came over here to Japan and uh, was teaching in uh, Shiga for a little while at a uh, high school at the high school level doing team teaching and with uh, basically an ALT program. Uh, it was a sister city exchange. ALT for those who don't know. Uh, assistant language teacher. So I was generally in the classroom with a Japanese teacher who spoke English and was teaching the class in English. Um, so from there, uh, I was there for three years. Uh, it was a one year program. I stayed for three. Uh, went back to the U.S. because I decided uh, I needed to get a master's degree to be able to continue this uh, career. I went to San Francisco State University where I gained my master's degree in uh, education uh, with my emphasis in instructional technology. Um, I took uh, pretty much every linguistics course they had leading up to, well, everything up, up to uh, basically discourse analysis. Um, so I've uh, studied more with the theory um, than a lot of uh, teachers that are actually in the classroom. They get uh, pedago pedagogical methods, and uh, so it's a little bit different, slightly different take. Um, I am also here at Kansai Gaida University and have been here for three years. So um, 
And what program are you working in right now? That's a fine question. <laughs> I am currently working with the teacher education program. Um, we have uh, don't have a teacher education department at this point, but uh, we do uh, community outreach for um, primarily uh, elementary school teachers at this point uh, to help prepare them for the change in the law, which kicks in in two years, 2008, April 2008. Uh, when it will be required that uh, English is taught in the classroom. So we're given, going back and giving them basic pedagogy uh, tools and theories and a lot of hands-on stuff. So that's and, where I live now. How about you? And for the rest of y'all who don't know Kansagaira uh, University, which is probably 98% of the population of the world, Kansagaira uh, University has basically two majors, Spanish and English. So my job is to teach English for academic purposes to most of the student body to prepare them to study abroad uh, during their third year. We send some 600 students every year uh, to various uh, facilities. Some of them go to mainstream uh, English classes at major universities in America, England, Australia, as well as parts of Europe, um, Asia, and Africa. And the others go to language uh, centers within universities and even outside of universities abroad. So my job is to gear them up for uh, English speaking, listening, or reading and writing. We uh, divide the skills into the reading writing section and speaking listening section. Yep. We do actually have a, a business major here too. Um, it's not as big as the, the others, but they do graduate a couple. Plus uh, there is a graduate school uh, in operation here as well. And so if any of you are interested, uh, please drop us an email. We'll be given emails and stuff at the end of the, at the, end of the program. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about who we are, well, we did the who we are, so what are we doing? Uh, we think podcasting is a really cool idea. Uh, being able to listen to two people talk about a subject that at least we're going to pretend to know something about um, <laughs> is, uh, is cool. And we want to hear your feedback. So um, like I said, later mm -hmm. on, we will be giving, the, giving email addresses out and... Uh, uh, hope to hear from you and get put your two cents in. Uh, also, please feel free to visit education.org, E-D-G-Y-C-A-T-I-O-N.org. Uh, there we will have some forms up um, fairly soon where you can uh, put your two cents in, and uh, we will be responding to both emails and uh, possibly some forum posts uh, as we gain listeners, we hope. We also might um, we are considering doing a video podcast uh, turning this from audio to both <laughs> audio and video keep going <laughs> we can edit that part out yeah he's not doing the editing so <laughs> so uh, give us your ideas about that uh, whether you favor that or you want us to maintain just the audio portion another good thing about teaching at Kansagara is our staff, our foreign staff, is fairly large. We have 40 teachers in the um, IES program, 
intensive English. Uh, what is S for? Studies. Studies. Yeah, yeah. I've been working here a whole <laughs> lot. And so when we are not as familiar with topics that we would like to be, we will be inviting uh, some of our colleagues in with us to share their experience, which will trump ours for that subject. We hope. <laughs> um, we uh, also, uh, like we like we said before, we're considering the video, so please give us uh, your uh, feedback on uh, whether you would like to see our ugly mugs. Uh, we will have a couple pictures up and around. So. And the last thing, um, since this is the inaugural podcast and we're still trying to get our mojo working, we have several tracks that we're considering, whether to do a track, um, like for example, today's uh, podcast will be on the different, um, we're calling it the caste system of uh, TESOL teaching. So whether we want a tract that is for people who are interested in the field of teaching English as um, a second language or a foreign language, or a tract more for professionals who are already in the field. Um, and we could be talking about different subjects as in uh, technology in the classroom, yep. which for those who are not in the field right now but are interested, might not be as important. Yep. So let us know your thoughts and desires. Also, um, because we are both living and working here in Japan, <clears throat> you may find that uh, a lot of what we talk about is Japan-centric. So yes, that's true. That's going to happen. Um, if, uh, if you are interested in a topic, um, we have teachers here that have taught in the Middle East. We've had teachers taught in Europe. Uh, basically, if you name a place, we can find some pretty much find somebody who's who's taught there. If you wanna, if you're interested in hearing about those uh, experiences as well, please drop us a line, and we will get, to, uh, get try to snag that person and convince them to come on. Um, but a lot of the practical stuff that we're going to be talking about is going to tend to revolve around uh, or tend to revolve around teaching and working in Japan. More pedagogy than theory. I mean, yeah. all of our Pedagogy will have, is it pedagogy or pedagogy? For me, it's pedagogy, but, you know, tomato, tomato. Exactly. I'll, I'll stick with it since I've already said it twice that mm -hmm. way. It will be theory-based, but we are not going to go heavy into the theory. Yep, unless I get on a rant, in which case I will. But <laughs> And I'll let them. Yeah, there you go. So uh, the topic today that we're going to talk about is this uh, construct that we've put up, put together. We were thinking, sitting around thinking about um, about people who teach English overseas or in the states themselves, actually, and uh, you know, kind of who's who's on top and who's uh, who's got the the peach jobs, the cherry jobs, and who's got the crap jobs. And uh, so we wanted to uh, foist our opinion upon you. And uh, how did we decide to base this? We. There's many levels of uh, TESOL teaching, and so we are basing this against uh, India's basic caste system. And while this isn't exactly analogous, analogous, yes, yeah, I teach good <laughs> English. Um, it's good enough for you to get the idea. Um, but we're not teaching history. We're not teaching social sciences. 
well some of us actually yeah <laughs> that's another another day but um yeah. so if it's not perfect don't you are yeah, bottoms it, for it please. it's it's just it's just a way to look at uh you know which jobs are you going to work the long hours and get the short pay for and which hours are you going to which jobs are you going to get the uh the big big bucks and uh get to hang out in your office most of the time so again it's just our opinion uh please feel free to voice your own opinion and uh if we get interesting things maybe we'll even read email on the on the line here so sweet we'll see all right so india's caste system basically has four divisions Five. uh but we're going to no four divisions but the fifth one's kind of unmentioned, oh. but it is there. Gotcha. So we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. The first uh, non-division <laughs> division are the untouchables, or I guess that's in, uh, whatever, is the untouchables <laughs> since I said the first. Mm. See, I'm, I'm really worrying about the grammar on this. And don't worry about it. All right, excellent. So the untouchables, who is in that category? We got three types of professions in the Tesla business, uh, and these are basically the starting positions. When you are thinking about joining this um, profession, there are three easy ways to get into it. The first way to start, and this is the way that I started, is to work for an institute overseas, um, or even in the States, but nowadays, the institutes in the states are actually um, asking for qualified individuals. Yeah, you're pretty much stuck in the states. If you're going to work at an institute, um, you're going to have to be either working in, have a master's degree, working on the master's degree, or have a fairly decent bachelor's in education, specifically bilingual education or test. Now, what do you mean by institute? Okay, around the world, uh, English is becoming a growing religion, basically, especially in Asia, Korea, Japan, um, people Kong. just, Hong Kong, love English and they really think they need to learn this language. So they have lots of fly-by-night uh, businesses that will hire any foreigner. They must have a bachelor's degree, but it could be in basket weaving or underwater welding. Yep. And uh, they really don't care as long as you have that paper. And you, they will put you in a classroom and you will teach, um, depending on what the institute is, uh, anywhere from preschool to adult ed. In a day. <laughs> in a day, yes. Uh, when I got my first job, well, going, going way back, uh, my undergraduate is in photojournalism. And I wanted to travel the world taking pictures, but I had no money because... Photojournalists don't make a whole lot. So I knew some people going over, and I found an operation that was willing to pay my airfare, give me free accommodation, and a salary as well. And so I jumped at that. I arrived in Korea at 10 o'clock at night, and I was teaching. Sorry about that. The, uh, the chime rang for the hour, so we paused. And where were you? Okay, so I arrived in Korea at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. and I was in the classroom teaching by 9 a.m. the next day. Now, have you ever been in a classroom teaching before? No. The only uh, theory or practice that I had was reading this How to Teach English book on the airplane on the 
go right over. Yeah, that's not that's not all that uncommon. Have you ever had you ever thought about grammar previously much? No, no, actually, no, I won't tell that story because it's <laughs> too embarrassing. But yeah, well, one of the things that uh, I found when when I didn't know grammar at all until actually until I got into the classroom and people would be like, well, why do you use a and an and the what's the difference between them? And I'm like, uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent question, and uh, anyone else in the class can answer that. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, so these institutes are usually what you would think of as a language, basically a language school. Yes. And uh, that's this is not to say that there are not good people teaching at them. The, I've seen some people at uh, the, in, the place that I was in in San Francisco that had some great teachers and very dedicated. They just... You know that was what they wanted to do at that time, and so they were they were cool hanging with it. The same thing in Japan. You find it runs the gambit. You you get people who are I wouldn't trust them to tie their own shoe to people who are fairly sophisticated with uh, with the techniques. The thing with the institute is, in general, um, you're going to be doing whatever they tell you to do. So if they say, all right, for your first class is going to be five year olds, your second class is going to be sixty five year olds. Uh, and then they give you the rest of the schedule for the day, and you can't really say boo. Most of it uh, is 30 to 35 hours, contact hours, teaching hours every week uh, with as many as five different classes. So yeah. five different classes that you are preparing or not preparing for. Yeah. Uh, you can have split shifts where you work early morning and then late at night. Um, early morning, then a company class in the middle of the day, and then late at night. So it is entry level. Yeah. It does throw you into the mix. Um, it is a nice hello if you're going to like this uh, profession, this Just, will let you know. Yep, yep. You're either going to love it or hate it immediately. Now granted, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hours, but uh, I, there are certain parts of the whole institute thing that I still enjoyed doing. I didn't have to think too much about uh, about setting up the the classes because they really wanted to go strictly by the book that they were using and uh, there wasn't a lot of leeway to go outside of that but at the same time if you're thinking about the classes there's you know things you can throw in so but that does take us to the second uh, second group in the untouchable section uh, those who are employed within companies so basically is it is it it's teaching English um, business English Okay. or teaching English, um, survival English, to um, company men who are going to go towards to the states uh, with their companies for uh, limited or long periods of time. Usually these jobs, you get these jobs after you're in the co uh, country for a while and you make some connections. So these are still kind of an institute job that hires out their teachers to the businesses in the area? Yes, um, there's that path. Or once, like I said, once you make some connections, you can find uh, a permanent job oh. within a company. And the pay is usually much better. Uh, you might have to do added chores like editing company newsletters or the president's speeches or just general letters um, that they are sending okay, to their so, foreign. <clears throat> so you can do this also like, so let's use uh, Panasonic, for example. So you could be hired by Panasonic to run... 
English classes for Panasonic employees. Yes. Okay. Or you could be run by ja John's English school and be rented to Panasonic. And they farm you out. Yeah. Exactly. Cool, cool. All right, which brings us to uh, the third group, the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cowboys are people who just go over. They have no job in hand. They have no plan in hand. Uh, they hook up with basically headhunters and find private classes um, and they could be private one-on-one um, -on -one classes in people's houses or company classes. It all depends on what the headhunters have. And, of course, the headhunters take out a part of your salary, uh, hourly wage for their commission. But it's very undisciplined. Uh, most of the teachers are very undisciplined. They're doing it to make money to travel on to Thailand or whatever. Um, card games are a big yeah. part of their teaching philosophy. <laughs> They're just not serious about the job. Yeah, it's uh, you can find people who are who are good at this who uh, prefer to do the little groups and stuff like that, but uh, very rare. A lot of the people that I see doing this are like uh, like Scott says, ba uh, backpackers who are looking to make a couple bucks, but they can't. They're looking for something for that they can do under the table um, that's going to get them to their next uh, next destination without having to eat up a bunch of money. So. Um, just one more thing uh, that Scott said. Institute teachers and those working within companies, a lot, of the a lot of the people working there are professional and they are serious about their job. Uh, we still put it in the untouchable category just because it is bottom level. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's the entry. It's the it's the job that nobody else wants to do. Um, and until you get experience and make connections, it's all that is really open for you. Yeah, yeah. And institute, while there are good people, <laughs> some of the people yeah. you meet, woo boy. Yeah, it's it it can really be catch as catch can. I mean, you you can run into somebody who's fabulous one day and then turn around and bump into the next dude in the hallway who's who, like drunk I said, yeah. and uh, chasing every skirt yeah 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 you get the whole gamut so um it's if you can do it if you uh you know really want to try it an institute is not a bad place to start you will uh you'll learn your chops fast um and depending on the levels that the school gives you whether it's a low level or uh, higher level, it can be very stressful in the classroom, not so much outside of the classroom. It's a very much a job where you, once you're done, you set it down and you don't deal with it anymore. You go drinking with the students, you go drinking with your colleagues, you uh, see the culture of wherever you are. Yep, yep. Which, okay, so that'll uh, shut out uh, round one. Uh, round two is the Shudras, laborers, craftsmen, otherwise faithful servants. So who do we got in here? The first um, people in this group are the Peace Corps. Now, when you're starting out, you can go the untouchable route or you can go the Peace Corps route. And the Peace Corps route is a very noble profession, um, but it's still little experience. Um, nowadays, they do want you to have some kind of English background or at least three months of training uh, before you head over. But it is still low level they put you it is the peace corps so you can possibly be in the middle of africa and when 
daylight ends and your candle burns down, you put your book aside and you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can also end up in Poland or Mongolia where you're in a not not third world, but developing world for sure, um, where, you know, there's running water, everything's clean. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a city in a place where people don't go all that often. You could end up literally anywhere. You could end up in Fiji. You could end up in Madagascar. You could end up in the Ivory Coast. Who knows? And they do ask you for your preference of region, but that region's fairly large. And... Yeah, they, they totally ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Peace Corps, the, one of the other good things about the Peace Corps is when you come back to the States, uh, Peace Corps opens doors. Um, when employers see that you've been in the Peace Corps, it's, been, when it's on your resume, uh, they're like, all right, this person can deal with uh, any situation thrown at them. Because in the Peace Corps, like we said, you don't know where you're going to go. You also don't know what you're going to get. Um, but it tells you what kind of fortitude that person has yep. to be able to handle it for the two-year commitment that they have. Yep. Also, uh, when you come back, if ESL is a path that you want to continue on and getting your master's, there's a lot of universities that will give you basically free education. Columbia um, offered the Peace Corps uh, returnees, veterans, uh, basically fully funded master's degree in ESL. Now granted they're teaching full-time at a high school, middle school, or elementary school in the area, uh, in New York, five borough area, but that's a $40,000 education for free, that's plus nothing. your salary of working a full-time oh, no job. Kidding. I might have to go back and do that. Um, yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at. It's uh, getting somebody to else to pay for your master's degree these days is a trick. And uh, the Peace Corps will definitely open doors. Not only uh, programs like that, but there are many, many grants and other things available for, for Peace Corps uh, returnees. Um, so check it out, uh, probably peacecorps.com or .gov. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But check them out. Okay, the next um, program within the Shudra, uh, laborer, craftsman, faithful servant, lackey, uh, <laughs> gopher, is the <coughs> programs like JET or EPIC in Korea or NET, where they're hiring uh, people with bachelors to come in and team teach. Uh, but I have no experience in that, but uh, Scott does. Yeah, um, I, my experience is next to it. Uh, the program that I went to Japan on in the, the first time was based on the JET program. Uh, it was a sister city exchange, but the only other foreigners in the town were all JETs. And so uh, I joined a JET, which is the JET Alumni Association. Uh, so technically I'm an alumni, a JET alumni, but was never in the JET program. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the way it works is if you want to get into the JET program, if you're interested in traveling to Japan and learning more about the culture, JET is a great way to do it. Um, are you going to learn a lot about teaching? Yep, but it's a little bit coals in the fire. You're going you're gonna to learn it as you go because either the, you don't know what the Japanese English teacher is going to be like. Or if they can speak English or whatsoever. they can speak English. Um, that has been an issue as of late, and well, since the program started. The program's been around for better than 20 years. <clears throat> the salary's pretty decent. Uh, they pay for you to come, they pay for you to go, 
Uh, the vacation time varies a little bit school to school, but there are uh, vacation days outlined in the program, so you're guaranteed X number of days per year. Um, the salary is quite good. It's not uh, retirement good, but it for somebody just coming out of college, it'll be more money than you've made, period. Um, placement can be anywhere in the country. Um, you could be in the middle of Tokyo working at elementary schools or in the middle of Hokkaido working at high schools and every other school that they can get their hands on. Um, the JET program is kind of broken up into two groups. There are the actual teachers who go into the classrooms and then they have uh, another group of people who work in the usually like county office and coordinate the help coordinate the jets uh, in the area. I believe CBT is what they call them. Do they have any differences in backgrounds? Uh, the C the the coordinating position uh, generally holds a master's degree. Usually, you have to speak Japanese fairly well to be able to get that program because you're also not only dealing with just the teachers. You're helping the cities coordinate um, other exchange, other type exchange programs. You're doing translating work. You're probably going to be pushed into simultaneous interpretation here and again. And uh, but as far as the teaching side goes, just a bachelor's and an interest in Japan. Always a key. Yeah. Epic. Um... I think it's it's like the JET program where uh, anyone with a bachelor's and a desire to learn about Korean culture uh, is welcome to do it. They kind of thrust you into the classroom. Um, I don't know more, much more than that. The NET program in Hong Kong, I do know that they um, were requiring people to have at least uh, K through six or seven through twelve accreditation, oh, no teaching good. accreditations. Wow. When That's I interviewed with them, and that was eight years no, uh, four years ago. How do they pay? They pay the best. They pay probably around well, four years ago it was with bonuses and everything else, forty to sixty. No kidding. Yeah, bucks up. No kidding. Bucks up, and that was with. All of these jobs are accommodation is provided. Um, yeah, jet accommodation generally. Sometimes it depends on where you get where you get. If you're stuck, if you're in Tokyo, it's not going to be free. It'll be subsidized heavily. You'll probably only pay maybe two, three hundred bucks a month. Uh, which for Tokyo is uh, that's almost that's nice. as close to free as you get. Uh, but you know, um, I paid for I'm in my for my program. I paid a subsidy of maybe two hundred dollars. A month, um, I knew people that had apartments for free. I also knew people that were paying four and five hundred bucks a month, but they had really big apartments. Um, you know, anywhere in Kyoto, Osaka. Okay. Um, just a little sidebar. I hate to backtrack, but um, we're not scripting this, so it's kind of off the cuff. Um, Scott mentioned a great thing about vacation. Going back to institute teachers, you might get ten days yeah. national holidays. And weekends, maybe we, both weekends, uh, maybe working half days on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. um, so you might want to be careful about that. Same with employment in the companies. You get the national holidays, at least in Korea, um, and maybe a week beyond that. Yeah, one nice thing about that, though, is if you have vacation, if you get actual vacation days, you can schedule your vacation days and actually take a week off 
anytime you want. And uh, as you get closer to the university stuff, um, which is coming down the pipe here in a second, uh, so you can't necessarily take a week off in the middle of the school year. Uh, you're stuck with whatever the school vacation is, which is plus and minus. <laughs> uh, with, we'll with, discuss that in yeah, a few we'll, minutes. We'll get, that, we'll get there. But um, yeah, that is one thing about you, with the institutes, you're not going to get a lot of vacation time, but when you get it, you'll be able to go away. Or at least, you know, be invisible. Yeah, maybe escape. All right, which brings us to uh, the Vaishas. How did I manage to get that word? That was Vaishas. beautiful. Yeah, uh, the merchants, tradesmen, the people with the business sense. You take it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, in the EFL, ESL world, TESOL world, we're going to refer to these people as the book reps, basically. Um, although I kind of believe that the people who own the schools, and there are a few foreign-run schools, foreign run schools here in Japan where the, the guy who founded the school is uh, a foreigner and he decided to, or he or she, managed to put enough bucks together to get the actual license or whatever they or needed. Or married, married a national. Yep, yeah, national. But uh, somehow they managed to slap a shingle on the door and uh, attract enough students to not starve. Though be careful of those as well because they'll still treat you like the <laughs> national. Yeah. It, it's an institute. I mean, you know, it's they're they're there to make money off your teaching. So, um, you know, if you can walk right in and start a school, then you got more money than you know what to do with, and probably shouldn't be looking at English teaching anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, back to the book reps. Um, book reps uh, that I have met uh, have a background as far and broad as you would ever want to see. Um, almost everybody that I know has a bachelor's degree. Several in the management areas have, um, have uh, masters. Um, many start in English education, and because they become familiar with, uh, with the books of one company or another company, or they develop a good relationship with their rep, uh, sort of get headhunted by the company, by the book publisher, and get pulled in to a fairly decent job. Uh, if uh, you're going to be a book rep going around. Uh, you got to learn to drink in Japan. Oh yeah, um, because a lot of the book book sales is you know let's do a bar meet and come take a look at our books, and we and, give you free uh, drinks while we drink. Yep. free all night long. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, there's pluses and minuses to this, um, but the book reps actually have a decent job. You have to you generally have to speak the language well wherever you're in because you're not just dealing with the foreigners you're dealing with the uh, the local people the the local teachers who are also uh, buying the company's books and uh, so you're going to be visiting high schools junior high schools talking to principals you're going to be talking to the university professors you're going to be talking to the institute people you're going to talk to everybody so you better like people as well as um, if you stay in that company and you move up you're going to have to be in charge of nationals who are working for you, so you'll need to speak to them yep. as well. Yep. It's, uh, there's a lot of good things that can happen with working being a, a business rep. It's not the, or a, a book rep. It's not uh, the most common job, but uh, it's not a bad job either. But it's a job. It's a business job. You're not in the classroom. You're not uh, meeting with students, which some people would prefer. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. But it's it's a regular nine to five, or it could be even later than that. Yep. Job. And uh, the, the, it's a it's a seasonal job during the busy season when uh, when all of the people who are in the classroom are deciding what books to buy. You're there saying, "Hey, buy mine." So uh, do that. Vacation wise, probably it, it's more business side. So you might yeah. get one or two weeks. Tops and, uh, outside uh, of national holidays and things like that. Yep, and forget about taking it during the busy season because uh, the, selling the books is far more important than your vacation. Exactly, and busy season is always during uh, winter breaks from schools and the summer breaks from the schools. Yep. Um, and I don't know about accommodation, provided accommodation I as well. I don't think they are. Um, I'll have to talk to my buddy and uh, see what she says. And, but my, my guess is they, they are fairly self-supported. Um, they might get a, a housing allowance, but I doubt it. While we're on accommodations, why don't we just uh, take another sidebar there. Sure. Accommodations can be anything. It can be a homestay, and institutes might try to put you in homestays. Don't, well, can't say don't do it. I wouldn't. You learn a lot, but uh, part of your homestay is also teaching them privately. Yeah every day yep. so uh, be, be wary of that but you learn the culture a lot more than living with other foreigners um, other accommodations might be shared apartments mm. uh, usually you do have your own bedroom uh, but it might be a two-bedroom apartment and you're sharing it with someone who you have no choice yes yes it's a little bit like college rewind because um, you don't know who's going to be in that apartment with you uh, the apartments could be nice, they could be total <clears throat> holes in the wall, dives. They could be something that the, the people have owned for years and years and years, never put any money into, or they could be brand new. Exactly. So, uh, it again, catch as catch can. Uh, and generally, if you're doing the institute thing, you're not going to have enough money to really move out of your apartment. You're going to be fairly well stuck there. Uh, it's possible, but you're going to be scrimping and saving to pay rent, and you're not going to be able to put any money away. And um, also, if you are going that route, or going any route, um, be sure to find out when they say furnished apartment. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Because I, my university job at Korea was horrible. I mean, the furnished was a bed and tables, but uh, not even any pots and pans or dishes. Yeah, one of my, my buddy who lives, uh, who lived, he's gone back to the States now, he's down, down uh, the southern part of Japan. Furnished was like walls. <laughs> um, he, they didn't have a refrigerator. He had to buy a refrigerator. He had to buy an air conditioner. He had to buy, you know, everything, basically everything. I think they had a chair and a table, and that was it. Which, I mean, in Japan and Korea, and uh, most places you can go to used places and buy it all, but you're still going to drop uh, $500 to $1,000. Easy, easy. Yeah. Yeah, without a lot of work. So beware. Yep. All right, which brings us to, okay, we beat the hell, uh, heck out of the uh, Shatrias. Woo! The rulers and the warriors, the brave. <laughs> this, um, ha we have four uh, different levels within this uh, basic group. group. Thank you. Yep. Uh, first, we'll start with K through 12 teachers. And this can be K through 12 teachers within the United States or England or Australia, wherever. Home country. Or it can be K through 12 in um, a foreign country. Yep. 
those are at least in japan k-12 to actually get into the japanese system as a teacher you still have to pass the test uh i do not know of anyone uh who is an actual k-12 teacher in a japanese school here now um, my mother was here teaching in an international school um, which is still it was still k-12 but it was a little different it's a little different international schools um might will allow you to teach but generally they're going to be looking for do you have the degree do you have the uh, accreditation. accreditation um show me your credentials and you'll you'll be fine uh three of my years in korea the, my first stint in korea i was at a foreign language high school oh. which was a private uh run high school and so i and uh, about six others teaching english german french Chinese and Japanese and Russian uh, were there to teach just basic conversation, which was probably the easiest job in my life because I was teaching 22 hours a week and I only had two preps, uh, had to prepare two different classes for the entire week. Dude. And I was not allowed to give homework and the. <laughs> I finished by 3 30. Yeah, and you left because. And I you left were to insane? get my master's. To get my master's. <laughs> no, it was noble, but it was a sweet job. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that all foreign language high schools are like that. Few foreign language high schools are like that. And it was uh, just a nice, nice gig to get. Yeah, it's um, yeah, a nice way to get in there. But. Like Scott said, uh, international schools are the other way to go, um, but you do have to be have K through six or seven through twelve or K through twelve accreditation from a uh, host yeah, you country have to have a certificate for your own country. Yeah, and those are good to get into. They they pay you basically American wages. Um, they don't always give you a, accommodations. Yeah. Um, and your vacation is going to be, again, limited basically to whatever the school vacations are. Right. And it's, it's more for single teachers. Yeah. Unless you're married and your spouse yeah. is also a teacher. Yeah. It's yeah. a hard gig to get, I know, because I went through the whole process to get a job being married without um, your spouse being another teacher. Mm. But it's a good gig. Cool. The... Go ahead. Take the this. next <clears throat> next one is community community college instructors. Um, just in the states. Usually, it's in or the states. Just in the home country. Yeah. Yeah. Primarily, so primarily home country home country teachers. We're both from the U.S., so that's where you're going to get. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, in San Francisco, uh, community college jobs hard to come by. Um, San Francisco in particular, though, has a very tight, uh, everybody's trying to teach. Um, and getting into the community college, boy, you need to know somebody. California in general is, is to tough say. to get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, everybody wants to live there, except me. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the community college jobs that I'm aware of pay fairly well. And uh, it's, the work isn't too bad. The number of hours, contact hours, isn't, isn't terrible. Community college jobs, though, do require um, master's degrees for, yes. for, I would say, 80 to 90 percent yeah. of them yeah. require a master's degree in the field or a master's degree in another field, but 18 hours or more 
uh, in the field that you want to 18 hours of study of coursework in the field that you want to teach. Yep. They are hard gigs to get and uh, the pay is usually not that good. Yeah. I was offered a job teaching at uh, basically community college in New Orleans. Actually it was the University of New Orleans. And the starting pay was 28000 yeah. yeah. And New Orleans is cheap to live in, but it's not that cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, San Francisco, even the community college people were still, you know, everybody had roommates and, you know, 12 people sharing a house, whatever. Uh, but I've heard, I have a, one of the guys who used to work here is now up in uh, in Seattle. He had a good gig. I guess he was making 40, 50. Yeah, um, Houston, they pay 40. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's going to depend on your area. Um, look into it thoroughly, but know that you're going to need a master's degree doctor's degree is not out of the question no um, can... and that's becoming more and more common nowadays uh it seems in our field the great thing 10 even maybe no 10 years ago uh 15 years ago most people who were in the field got in this field to travel abroad right now with since 9 11 and america's persona abroad a lot of people are afraid to travel and work abroad yep. uh in my 10 years Let's see, my stint in Indonesia lasted a whole whopping two weeks mm. because uh, two weeks after I got there, uh, the Bali bombing happened and I was pulled out. Uh, when I was in Morocco teaching there, Casablanca bombing happened. Mm. So they're following you. Hey, when I was in Go New York away. teaching <laughs> and getting my master's, 9-11 happened there. So I'm going to move him out of here right quick. <laughs> I don't want to deal with any of it. Um, anyway. But you do need a master's, whereas any of the other jobs that we have listed uh, prior to this, you don't. Right, right. Um, yeah, anything in the States that's going to pay you a living wage, uh, well, you can do a lot of institute work and, and survive. But, but uh, basically, if you're not looking at the master's, then you're crazy because you need to, be having, need to be in the process or have it or be working on the doctor something. But uh, if you're going to be staying in the states, you need to have some. You need to have some skills. And uh, not only not only have that, you need experience because when you come out of school, even if you were teaching during your uh, getting your master's or doctorates, if you don't have experience, you'll most likely only be able to find adjunct work. Yep. And that's good, but they give you no bennies. Yep. Yep. And, and so you'll be paying however much insurance is nowadays yeah. in the states yeah so um but you know that'll also give you your experience you're True. gonna be you're gonna be stepping and fetching for a bit but uh you yeah i come from the background though i'm married uh one kid another kid on the way and that would just be too too much of a hardship yeah working uh getting adjunct for, for a family it. yeah for a family forget it if you're single and you know you can eat macaroni you'll be all right World is open to you. <laughs> yeah. Next right. one is foreign university professors. And we are both professors. Woohoo! <laughs> Geeks. You, you need, yeah, exactly. You need a master's basically to get most university gigs abroad. Yeah. Once upon a time, uh, you could do it just walking down the street. Those days, long and gone, man. Um, Nobody, nobody's going to let you in the door unless you have a master's degree. Tesla's pushing out a lot of people with masters nowadays. Yeah, yeah. 
and so it's going to start getting even unless you have the master's degree and three years of experience and i've started to see a lot of job listings go that way now mm -hmm. uh, you need to have three years experience minimum five years experience plus a master's degree or doctorate preferred um yeah the days of just walking down the street and pulling up with a bachelor's degree even in in tesla uh gone right. not gonna happen anymore so a lot of the not, well that's not true not in any place where you're going to be able to make enough money to survive true or make enough money to send home if you're looking for uh fiji <laughs> fiji's a possibility although university of fiji i heard is a sweet gig hard to get very and hard to get you don't see their advertisements that no, much no, no so but university foreign university professors um, probably, I, I, my feeling is this is probably the most lucrative and rewarding job on our list. Yes. That I'm aware of. I mean, there's a couple down here that, that old Scott over there knows a little bit more than me on. But uh, if you're going to be building a career, um, if you're going to be building a career, I think you owe it to yourself as a language professional to get out of, the, get out of your country and go struggle a little bit with another language and put yourself back in touch with what your students are going through. Most of us had to, in the process of getting the master's degree, you had to take classes in, in a non-romance language, but that's not, that doesn't really, you know, you're doing it for a semester, you're doing it for two semesters, you get out, you forget about it. And it doesn't really give you the, the full struggle that a lot of these kids are going through today. Now, Scott over here is fairly fluent. He, he, he throws down a mean Japanese, <laughs> whereas, whereas lame people like myself lived overseas in numerous places and I still can't speak a lick. One, one bad thing with institute teaching or just any job is to, to learn a language, you need to study it. Yeah. And if you're working your butt off all the time, you have little time. Yeah. Or for me, having a family, I got to put my, my kid and my wife ahead, which I choose to do. Yeah, yeah nothing, wrong learning. With, nothing wrong with that. But, but you still know what the struggle is yeah. like. You can you walk into a place and be like, he just said something to me. And I have no idea what it was. <laughs> I don't know how to say toilet. And I really got to pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, those, are, those are the moments that, that, I'm, that I'm referring to. So, but know. moving back to foreign university professors, I mean, the, the bennies are good. The gig is good. Um, when all these other ones, you're teaching 20 to 40 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, university teaching. And you can get part-time. We have a whole slew of part-time teachers here. Yes. And I don't know if they have masters or not. Uh, some do, some don't. And so, well, we'll just, based on full-time, uh, we're teaching, 50, some of us are teaching 15 contact hours per week. Yeah. Um, some of us do more. Some of us do more. Generally. Not you. <laughs> some of us do less as well. Not much less. Um, so there's 15 contact hours. That's standard in Japan. I'm not entirely sure that's it's gonna that's, be about that's standard that was in morocco yeah um in indonesia i was kind of through the state department so i had 20 contact hours oh, right. um but that that was a different program uh altogether so 
anywhere from 12 to 18 yep is yep. normal in the classroom so in the classroom you're looking at anywhere between five and seven preps um buddy of mine who's up at a national university in hokkaido now is uh he's got less hours less contact hours it's uh what's eight eight classes of 98 90 minute classes but it's a different eight classes so he's got basically eight, eight similar but not the same preps and so uh yeah i mean you know it's you're gonna you're gonna be burning the hours one way or another yeah whereas this year uh I have a sweet schedule. I have four different classes, but three of them are basically they're the same. They're the same level. They're the same reading, writing uh, structure. So I have basically uh, two preps every two days. Yep. Yep. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, so English language fellows, what is this? Wait, 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 wait. No, okay, wait, wait, wait. We'll go back. Um, usually. Ouch. University gigs, not always, but accommodation is fairly good. It's not always standard in Japan. Right. Um, right. In Korea, it's standard, but they might just give you a box on campus. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was teaching at the university with my family, we had to subsidize ours because we needed a larger place, and it was a hole also. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the... With the accommodation, a lot of times you never know what you're going to get. Um, here, fortunately, we got lucky. Um, we have we got we got a good a very good nice job. two bedroom. Uh, yeah, anyway, cozy apartment. Yeah. <laughs> you work in the Middle East, you'll get great housing. Oh, really? There for university, two, three, four bedroom apartments no to yourself. Wow, and, that'd be great. And great bennies. Uh, another nice benefit is. Uh, vacation. Now, Scott mentioned that you can't pick and choose your vacation, right. but you know, with basically four months of vacation a year, I'll take what they give me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you, you can't complain, and if you do, you should get smacked. Um, exactly. You know, when you're, when you're talking about really f very solid four months of not in school, um, where you can take two or three weeks and go somewhere, anywhere, um, yeah, there ain't nothing to complain about if you got to be here between, you know, February and whatever. Um, yeah, vacation is great. When, when you get a foreign university gig, um, you need to be careful. Some of them are great for your resume. Some of them, employers in the States know what kind of universities they are, and they, they scoff at them, even though you've been there three, five years. Yeah. You're just doing basically conversation work. Uh -huh. And so they can see through it. Um, so try to pick and choose wisely. Pay per country uh, varies greatly. Yep. In Japan, you can get anywhere from around 40 to 60. But uh, you 30, might. 35 to 60. 35 to 60. Uh, 60 usually doesn't have accommodation. You have to pay for that yeah, yourself. That's coming out of your pocket. Um, and you're probably going to end up working a couple more hours. True. Those. Not not always, but generally. Whereas Korea, it's usually around twenty four to thirty. Um, I don't know the the yen's or the won's doing pretty well now, so that's that's up a little. Um, Middle East is also paying fairly high, yeah. as well. But you have to live in the Middle East then. And as an American, there's issues with this. Um, I know a lot of Americans are specifically not doing Saudi Arabia and not doing. Uh, UAE. Yeah, UAE. 
just because they're scared about it and can't really blame them. Exactly. But uh, for our, everybody out there who's uh, Australian or British, maybe you got a better shot at it um, or at least more, a more comfortable shot, shot with it. Uh, we're pushing an hour. <laughs> so let's burn through these last ones and okay. uh, let these people go. Last one is um, for this group, English Language Fellows. And this is basically grants to teach at universities uh, through the U.S. State Department. And um, the School of International Training, SIT, in Vermont used to be in charge of this. Georgetown is now in charge of this. You oh. can find out from either going, I think it's elf.org, or going to Georgetown and type in EFL. Just Google uh, English ELF. language. E yes, E L F. Uh, Google English language fellows, and you'll get the site for it. And they have two um, divisions: junior and senior. Junior is for newbies fresh out of uh, getting their masters, and it's uh, the the pay went up, it's about 22000 which isn't bad. Yeah. And they usually provide housing. And it's, again, going to developing um, or war-torn uh, countries where it's safe. Like I said, that was my gig in Indonesia. And when it became unsafe, they got me out. And that was the best teaching gig I ever had because I got six months' pay for two weeks. Sweet. So uh, <laughs> thanks, U.S. government. So you end up in places like Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, uh, Soviet um, uh, Africa, ex, ex Soviet bloc, Africa, yeah, really, ex-Soviet bloc, um, places like that. Cool. Um, and then the seniors get more money, and they do more teacher training. They usually have five years' experience with teacher training experience in that, mm -hmm. and so they get maybe twenty-six, twenty-seven thousand per year, um, and it's usually year-long contracts and you can maybe um, get a second year through it. No, okay, the right, last, last group, one. The, the Brahmins, the priests, the learned scholars. The learned scholars. Take it. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with the, uh, the uh, Holy Grail U.S. University prof professors. Uh, if you don't have a doctorate, please don't apply. <laughs> um, you'll be wasting your time and mine. Uh, yeah, it, it's... They are possible to get, even without a doctorate, but you better be working on it because otherwise you're not going to be there long. But it takes you out of the ESL, EFL range. Uh, you're teaching native speakers how to teach English. You're not teaching people how, usually, you're not teaching um, foreigners how to speak English. Yeah, usually you're not in the EFL classroom, ESL classroom anymore. Although I have a couple of teachers at uh, my old school would go out of their way and teach one class just to keep their hand in and uh, keep the skills up. Um, but for the most part, at this point, you've become the, the master and you will have your students around you who you will send out over the world to uh, infect minds. And it's, <laughs> it's uh, doctorates are needed to get the choicest gigs yeah. overseas. Yeah, yeah. University of Amsterdam only hires or strong preferences for doctorate candidates yeah. or uh, earned doctorates. Yep, yep. Yeah, the U.S. university profs, actually, the, uh, the money's not that great unless you're in a big school. And then you got that parish or published thing. I, I don't think I'd want to do it. Just between you and me and them. 
But if you want the next step, you, you kind of got to. I don't think I need to take that step. If you want to be a lifer in, in mm -hmm. overseas, then yeah. you don't need it. That's true. That's true. But if you want to go back to the States or back to Canada um, and you yeah. don't have a choice gig already. That's that's where you're going to you're going to have to end up. I mean, really, it's that's it. That's all there is for us. And the last group are the RELOs. The RELOs stands for the Regional English Language Officers, and they're in charge of the English Language Fellows that we talked about in the last group. Through what? Through the U.S. State Department. It is a government job, and you get the bennies of full pension after 20, 30 years, uh, but you are working for Uncle Sam. Um, usually, but not always, you need at least a master's, uh, they prefer a doctorate, you need some admin uh, experience, you need teacher training experience, you can see, usually, uh, they throw out one ads on the U.S. State Department um, job list every few years, and they'll give you the full uh, requirements on there. But I applied, and I wasn't <laughs> even close. And, oh, I never got the gig. They passed it around, laughed a bit. Said, exactly. A new right. dartboard for them. There you go. There you go. So I think that's going to wrap it up today. We just hit the hour mark. Hour and one minute, 10 seconds, 11, 12. We never knew that we could talk for that long. I know it. I know it. We got big mouths. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, from you. So please uh, send us your send us some email. My email is scott at education.org. Your email is scottdurte at education.org. Remember, that's with a G. Edgy. Yep, edgy, like the edge of education. Yep, there you go. Uh, we need to say thank you very much to Mark Blasco at uh, podcastthemes.com for supplying our uh, intro temporary. and temporary <laughs> and outro music, which has just started. Uh, we don't have headphones on, so we can't hear it. Uh, so thank you very much to him for supplying those for people like us for to use for free. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, please check out uh, education.org, E-D-G-Y, of course. Uh, where we have uh, a clearinghouse site for just talking about uh, education in general, uh, technology and education, TESOL, you name it, you want to talk about it, we'll set something up and talk about it. So send us some email, give us some feedback, let us know what you want to hear, want to see on the show, and uh, last word. Take care, everybody. Peace. Bye.